Welcome to the Village. My name is Eric. It's good to see all of you here today. We are in a series on prayer, and in particular, our job tonight is to talk about how we listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just make a statement about what we believe about God here at the Village and what most orthodoxy, meaning most traditional Christian people, believe is that God is one, that there is only one God, and that he's revealed to us in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Those three persons are in perfect community and in perfect communication with each other. Tonight we want to figure out and and think about how to listen to the Holy Spirit. What I ask of you is that if you want to understand better how God is three and one and how that works, that you go listen to this series because tonight I don't have time to really lay that all out for you. So we're just going to make the assumption that God is one and that God is three and that is what scripture tells us. So before we dig in, tonight I want to begin in chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, verse 6. Well, let me give you the setting of this. It's in the Old Testament and it is at the end of Moses, the leader of Israel, who led Israel out of Egypt and through the desert for 40 years, and they're at the border of the promised land, and he gives them a charge. He's 120 years old. He's not going into the land that God has promised them, and this is what he says. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, you might note that if you're following along with me in Deuteronomy chapter 6, chapter 31, verse 6, that I didn't say the first part, because I want to emphasize the first part of verse 6 to you. It says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. As I have contemplated what God is telling us as a community, the thing that I have heard over and over from God is, be strong and courageous. As I have sat with many of you in the midst of your marriages, as you wrestle, as we as a community wrestle with how we parent our children and our kids and where they're going and all of those good things, as we wrestle with our roommates and our housemates and our fiancés and our girlfriends, as we try to deal with what's going on in this world that's kind of crazy and, and, and tumultuous and violent, as we look at injustice, as we face struggles in our jobs and with our finances and with our own impulses, and with our friendships, that the thing that God has said over and over to me is be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Now the problem is, with that statement, and the problem with the reality in our life, is that we have a ton of voices in our heads. Being strong and courageous has become super difficult for us as we face things because our head is full of ideas and full of thoughts. And so when we talk and think about listening to the Holy Spirit, the thing that happens with most of us is that we just have a brain full of ADD ideas. And so as I approached this this conversation with you about the Holy Spirit, it's motivated at some level from what I heard when we opened up the floor during our early talks about prayer and, and people saying, well, we don't necessarily hear God. We don't know what he's saying to us. And I want to help us understand how the Holy Spirit interacts with us. 
how he changes us, how he speaks to us, and how he can reduce the voices. But to understand that, we need to understand how the voices came. So I want to begin tonight in chapter 1 of Genesis at the beginning of Scripture, where God creates man. Chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, as you can see, this bowl here is full of dust in the backyard that I dug up. It's full of dust. That's what you and I were. And it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that God breathed into us life. Now, if you go through Scripture, what you will find is the idea of God's breath is God's spirit. That the spirit of God is what animates people. It's what forms people. It's what takes you and I and living things and makes them alive. And in particular with man, our image, the image of God is breathed into us. The Spirit of God brings the image of God alive in us. Now here's the important thing to understand about that. Adam and Eve in the garden at the beginning heard one voice. They heard one voice. They were animated by the God of the universe. They heard God's voice. But something happens, as you know, in the garden there is a tree. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's the only tree that Adam and Eve are not supposed to eat of. And they disobey God. And they do that when a voice, the enemy, in the form of a serpent, interacts with them and adds another voice. Now listen to what happens. In chapter 3, verse 8, after they have eaten from the tree that they're not supposed to, after they've disobeyed God, it says in chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now here's the important line I want you to hear for tonight. And this is what God says to the man and the woman. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Another voice has entered into the conversation. Now, you need to understand the, the importance of what's happening here. When God engages with man, he wants to know what voice they heard. What voice they heard. Now, it says here, that Adam and Eve, what were they? They were afraid, so they hid. Now here's the interesting thing. What happens, the evidences of death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, the evidences of death are the evidences of the Spirit of God withdrawing itself from the animation process. Man who was dust and then formed into the image of God begins to have the Spirit of God removed from him. And when that happens, man begins to die. And the evidences of death are fear and hiding and multiple voices in our head telling us what we should do, who we should be, what we should look like. And we begin to not hear the voice of God. And the voice of God becomes jumbled into 
a bunch of things. And then we don't hear Him. And we don't feel connected to Him. Now, I want to jump into the Gospel of John for you very quickly. John chapter 7 um, is a beautiful picture of what Jesus has to offer us. Okay. So I, I want to read this to you. John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So here we have Jesus standing up in front of everyone during a feast that has to do with water. And he says, I'm the living water. I'm the one who, if you are thirsty, can come to and will never be thirsty again. And the writer of the Gospel of John informs us that what he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just take this bottle of water and this dirt that I that I picked up from the backyard in this bowl. Now, if I pour it, this water into the bowl, right, here we go, and then I grab that dirt and that water, what do I get? I get mud. It's formed into something. Oh, now my hands are all dirty. But it gets it gets formed into something. It's it grabs form. See, what's happened is, is that when death entered in, when you and I began to listen to the voice that wasn't God's voice, when we disobeyed and we were, we've been crushed by fear, we are becoming dust. And what Jesus says is that if you turn to me, if you embrace me, I will begin the process of reforming you. Now, quickly let me jump over to the passage that Paul where Paul talks about all of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, um, he talks about what the Holy Spirit does. It says the Holy Spirit, verse 22, we're actually going to go to verse 21. It says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Do you hear what's what's being said here is that when you embrace God, the living water who doesn't let you thirst, you get marked. There you are marked, you are owned by God, and that marking of the Spirit, that coming of the Spirit to you is a reforming process and a turning you in to what you were supposed to be. And it's a mark that you are going to become In the end, what God wants you to be. Beautiful. But here's the, the unique part of all of this. That when you are marked with the Holy Spirit, when you embrace Jesus, what that means is that there will be a time when Jesus returns where, guess what? You only hear one voice. And that's God's voice. That's powerful. 
Now the process that you and I are in at this moment, in the not yet process, is that we are beginning to learn to hear the voice of God and to take captive the other voices. And so I want to read tonight, because we're going to do a project of listening to the Holy Spirit as a community. I just want to give you some guidelines as to how to listen to the Holy Spirit and how to hear the Holy Spirit. So as we go into prayer... I want to jump into the Gospel of John, chapter 14. I want to talk to you just a little bit about how you can hear the Holy Spirit. All right, so here's, here's the context of John, chapter 14. Uh, we're going to start in, I think, verse 22. But the context here is that Jesus is telling his disciples he's going to leave. They're trying to figure out how to see the Father. They, there's just a lot of confusion as to how this all works. And Jesus begins to explain that to him. So let me go start in verse chapter 14, verse 22, where it says, Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, stop, pause there, you know Judas Iscariot, texted John when he was writing this. Yeah, he's on his little cell phone. John, please make sure that when it, you write my name, that everybody knows it's not the Judas that betrayed Jesus. Please make that, make that clear. I don't want that to go down into history. Uh, I want it to be me. I want to get a little credit for this. Um, it says, but the Lord, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All I have spoken while still with you, but count but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you the world as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see that? That the Spirit is coming in the moments of crisis. The ending of that little passage there is Jesus saying, don't be afraid. Now, there's just a couple things that I, I want to lay out for you. First, it says in the NIV here that, that, God, that the Holy Spirit will be sent to us and the Spirit of God will come and dwell with us. That's that living water, that eternal stream that will flow out of us. And he calls him the counselor. Other texts call him the advocate. Some call him the helper. But here's what I think, that as you and I process anxiety and fear, and the evidences of death, one of the main things that the Holy Spirit does is begin to advocate for us, not just to God, but in our mind, and help and comfort us as we wrestle with things. Now, there's a couple things in this text that I want to just lay out for you. It says that the Holy Spirit has two primary tasks. One is to teach, and one is to remind all right. Now, I want to read something to you out of 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. This is what Paul, the apostle, says about Scripture. Okay, It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, so let's just stop here and say, here's the thing. We're all in church here. So if you're in church, 
I am going to make an assumption. That assumption is very simple. That this is the holy text with which we believe God breathed into and animated and made alive. Just like he breathed into man and animated and made alive. Meaning that the words here, not the paper, not the ink, but the words spoken in this text, both Old and New Testament, are words that are made alive by the Spirit of God. They're God-breathed. Okay? Now here's the thing. The, one of the ways, one of the two ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through his God-breathed rules and regulations and narratives and poetry through his scripture. And there's a lot of all of those things. Mostly story. But it says that it's profitable for us. Now, so, when you say you don't hear the Holy Spirit, you don't hear the voice of God, one of the elements of hearing the voice of God is that he's going to remind you of what Scripture says. Now, there's a famous pastor by the name of Erwin McManus. I don't know how many of you know who he is. But, you know, I, I like listening to him. And so if you listen to him, you're like, huh, Eric says that. Well, you know what? I have no problem stealing from Erwin and many other people because it's God's stuff. And if I were to, you know, quote every single person who's influenced me, my entire sermon would just be one quote after another. So I love Erwin, and what Erwin has an illustration, um, and it kind of goes like this. It's basically, he says that God doesn't do anything with dead horses, but he can do something with wild stallions. Now here's, here's how this illustration works here. If you do not study Scripture, the Holy Spirit is not going to have anything to remind you of. That there is... That if you want to hear the Holy Spirit, you have to bathe yourself in Scripture. You have to be the wild stallion. You have to get up and run around and be crazy. God will direct you in the right direction. But you've got to do something. And to hear the Spirit of God, you have to bathe yourself in His words. So that when you're listening, the Spirit of God can remind you of His words. The Spirit of God can remind you of his words. Number two, it says that God will teach you. That the Holy Spirit will teach you. Now, often when we hear things from the Holy Spirit and and we feel like we're being taught something or we have something for someone else that they should learn, right? Um, or we think we hear from the Holy Spirit, it often is kind of from that, you know, place of, well, you know, the Holy Spirit told me that I need to leave my family for five years and live in the Himalayan mountains. Well, no, the Holy Spirit didn't tell you that. You had a good night of good food and maybe a little indigestion, and you just heard that because it was one of the voices in your head. But there are some distinct guidelines as to how you can be taught by the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you those guidelines because I think it's an important um, grid for you to listen through when you are listening to hear the voice of God. So that that grid comes out of um, another letter that Paul the Apostle wrote in Galatians chapter um, 5. And it's called Walking by the Spirit. 
And I want to read it to you because it's a guideline for how you can listen to the Holy Spirit and that we're going to spend some time listening to the Holy Spirit together. So we'll start in verse 16 of chapter 5. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, and drunkenness, orgies, and then I love it, he says, and the like. So if you did not catch all of them, like you're like, oh, well, wait a minute, none of those apply to me, then yours just fall under and the like. Okay? This is what the sinful nature is. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let us not become conceited, poking and each other. Here's the grid. And I believe the grid comes in two parts here that you can kind of begin to hear the Holy Spirit. As you sit and pray, and as you sit quietly, as your heart and soul begins to be convicted about one of those things in those lists, about your dissension, about your anger, about your envy, about your debauchery, about your idolatry, when you begin to feel convicted by it, as you sit quietly with the, with God and listen to His Spirit, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Okay? Conviction is an element of the Spirit of God speaking to you. As you sit quietly with Him. Number two... As you sit quietly with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks towards the fruits of the Spirit. The things that you, when you begin to hear a calling to be joy, to have joy, when you begin to feel a calling to, to love, when you begin to feel a calling to be patient, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. See, the Holy Spirit will instruct you on ways to be joyful. The Holy Spirit will instruct you on ways to be faithful. The Holy Spirit will instruct you on how to be long-suffering. The Holy Spirit will instruct you on how to be gentle. So as you're listening, these are the questions that you have to ask. Holy Spirit, convict me in the places where I have moved away from the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, instruct me in the ethic of the kingdom of God, joy, peace, and then listen. And God will remind you of Scripture. And God will give you new insight into your own character through His Spirit. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. Now what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to hand out these papers. And we're going to take ten minutes. And we're going to sit quietly... 
And we're going to write down everything that's in our head and everything that we hear. Because here's what has happened to us. We have all these voices in our head. And we don't know how to sort through them. And we don't know how to keep them captive. We don't know how to take them captive. We don't know how to push them aside. We don't know how to to begin to encourage and develop the Spirit's voice to make it loud. So what we're going to do is we're going to sit down and we're going to write down every single thing that we think. Every single thing that we hear for ten minutes. Now, it's good when we listen to the Holy Spirit to at least begin with an idea. So that brings us back to where I started, which is to be strong and courageous. The question that I'd like you to begin with as you kind of write these ten things down, I mean, as, as not ten things, as you write things down on this piece of paper, I want you to ask the question, where are you calling me to be strong and courageous? Where do I need to see these things happen in my life? What needs to be developed? Where do I need to act? And so allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Write every single thing down. That'll help you sort through things. Now, let me tell you something. Um, if God says, you know, Job chapter 3, verse 1, then go look at Job chapter 3, verse 1. You might read it and say, oh, that's, that, was not, that was not God. That's strange. It doesn't make any sense. I'll tell you this because I like to listen to the Holy Spirit in community because the Holy Spirit speaks the same things to a lot of people. Just let me give you one example. In leadership meeting, we were praying, and then we spent some time listening to the Holy Spirit about a lot of things going on in the village. And one of the things that God told me was Psalm 37. And in particular, I can't remember at this moment, but he said Psalm 37, verse 4. I hadn't read Psalm 37 in a really long time. In fact, I didn't know off the top of my head what Psalm 37 was even about. But I said it at the end of the leadership meeting. I said, hey, God told me this passage, and it seems like a really cool passage, Psalm 37. And Rod was like, I can't believe that. God told me Psalm 37 too, and he said, look, it's written here. And I had it written on my piece of paper, and he had it written on his piece of paper. We've never talked about Psalm 37. So it was as if God was saying, hey, elders of the church, Psalm 37 is important to you. You need to, to focus on it. This is where I want you to be. It was a cool way of having the Spirit speak to us. So God may do that. So what you're going to do then is at the end of the service, when we eat together and spend time together, I would encourage you just to take that space to read what you've written to other people. If there are things that you can feel comfortable saying that the Spirit has told you, just read it to them and discuss it and see what God does with it. So let's pray. Father in heaven, as we um, spend time with you, As we listen to your Spirit, I ask that you would come on us and give us great words of wisdom. Amen.